Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC in Vegas 8, Smith versus Rachich, a light heavyweight contest that all of a sudden has a lot of title implications in it because, as you guys know, the 205-pound champ is no more. That is a vacant title. And so that's an exciting matchup, but... As those of you who frequent this show know, we're not going to be talking about that matchup. We are all focused on the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and you're asking yourself, why aren't we breaking down this fight that that now is really important or or any of the fights on the main card for that matter? And the answer is really simple. You guys probably have a place you go for those main card breakdowns. You probably don't have a place you go for your prelim breakdowns, and we like to be that place. Because let's be honest, you can make a lot of money on the prelims in both daily fantasy sports and in gambling. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of The Prelim Primer is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. AJ is unlike all those other companies who offer you gambling advice because he's not just a list of fighters that you should bet on every week or not just a bunch of picks that you should follow along blindly. He gives you the education that you need to make smart choices both while you're his client and in the future. He's teaching you how to make those in-depth breakdowns that he makes every single week, which by the way, he sends right to your inbox, whether you like audio or written or sometimes even video, he's got them all for you. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But in the meantime, you get to make informed decisions, you get to maximize your profit, and you get to learn a lot in the process. And that's really where AJ comes into play. So make sure that you check him out at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com. That link is in the show notes. You can also follow him on Twitter at AJMMABetting. You won't be sorry you did. Now, of course, I can't do these prelim breakdowns without a co-host. Joining me today for the very first time, I've got Adam Martin from MMA Odds Breaker and BJPen.com. Adam, thank you so much for joining me. Glad to be here, man. Glad to be finally making my long-awaited debut. I love it. All right. Well, as you guys know, we got to put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Maki Pitolo versus Zimba Kasangane. So Pitolo just won in two in the UFC. He's coming off of a loss just three weeks prior by guillotine to Darren Stewart, which is kind of a surprising result there. Kasangane, meanwhile, is 7-0. He's making his UFC debut. Also just 18 days removed from his prior fight, which was where he beat Anthony Adams on the Contender Series by decision. So... Here's my question for you, Adam. It's a quick turnaround for both of these guys. One coming off a win, one coming off kind of a grueling longer loss. Do you feel like the length of that law or that fight for Kasangane or the quick loss might be more detrimental here in this fight? That's a good question, man. But honestly, like I think we've seen a lot of short notice fights recently, and it's hard to know really how that's going to affect this particular fight. I liked what Impa looked like in that fight the other night or two weeks ago or whatever against um, Anthony Adams. I thought he looked really good in that fight, man. And I was also impressed by him last year in the Contender Series. So this is a guy I'm high on. He's undefeated. He's um he's only been fighting as a pro for like just over a year, almost two years now. That's insane. He's like already in the UFC, made his debut in January 2019. It's incredible how fast these guys are getting up there. And you know, for Batola, he's another Contender Series guy. I really liked him on the sh- on the show. He looked amazing on his win over uh, Justin Sumter, but. Since then, the UFC just won and two, like you said, and they lost to Darren Stewart. That showed a lot of holes, I think, on his uh, in his ground game. And getting tapped out like that by a guy who's never finished anyone by submission, Darren Stewart, that's a bad sign here, I think, against a guy like Kasangane. So as far as the short notice goes, I mean, I really have no idea how it's going to play in to this fight. But overall, I, I do favor Impa, and he is the betting favorite at the uh, 
odds uh, the sports books right now. So that's kind of how I'm feeling this fight, man. And I'm curious too, you know, you mentioned the grappling in there. We haven't seen a ton of grappling from Kasengane, but I know he's got it. Do you think that that's a route he probably takes here? Probably. I mean, just because, like I said, Darren Stewart's never submitted anyone, and he went out there and cha- uh, tapped out Patolo in the first round. So definitely, I think that's a hole in Patolo's game. His striking is actually quite good. He definitely has knockout power, and he's he's really good like to the body and stuff too. So I think Impa is going to take this fight to the ground, man. I think he's just going to kind of grind on this guy, just like he did with Adams. I think it was the last round of that fight, just kind of grinded on him. That's kind of how I'm seeing uh, this play out. But as we know... MMA is crazy, and sometimes these fighters have a game plan on paper, go in the fight, and something else happens. Yeah, that that's definitely true. Well, we're just about to the end of talking about this fight, so I need your prediction. Who you got, and how do you got him? Yeah, I like Impa here, man. The question is, does he win a decision, or does he finish the fight? I'm kind of leaning towards a finish, to be honest with you, just because uh, Patola's cardio is not that great, and he's been finished quite a few times in his career, including a couple losses by a submission. So that's kind of how I'm going here. Uh, I'll pick Impa Kasangane to win by submission. All right, I'm going to take him by Kisangane. I'm going to take him by TKO because for the same reason. I think Maki's gas tank is just going to run out just a little bit, especially because he throws bombs just absolutely nonstop. Uh, and that brings us to our second fight, which is Mallory Martin versus Hannah Cyphers. Martin owned one in the UFC. She lost to Virna Jandiroba in December by rear naked choke. Of course, no shame in that. Cyphers, meanwhile, has lost three in a row all this year to Angela Hill, Mackenzie Dern, and Maria Agapova. Uh, kind of a tough round of three fighters there. Now, here's my question for you. Martin leans on her wrestling fairly heavily, and Cyphers' wrestling defense is pretty solid. Do you think Martin can get her down enough to get this done? I believe so, man. I'm not convinced Hannah Cyphers is a UFC caliber fighter. She's 2-4 and four in the UFC. She's lost three straight fights. Like you said, the three losses to decent fighters, Angela Hill and Mackenzie Durner, I think are both top 15. Agapova just got smoked by Shayna Dobson, though. So, like, looking back now, that's a kind of a bad loss because she got destroyed in that fight, man. Also, she's been fighting quite frequently, which is a good thing. Uh, could be a good thing because she's staying active, but it could also be a bad thing. Like, she's not really getting a lot of training in between these fights. She's not really improving, I don't think. So, to me, like, can she stop the takedowns of Martin? I don't think so, man. Um, yes, against Dern, she did do okay in the clinch early on, but once that fight hit the ground, it was over. The fight with Agapova, Agapova kind of outstruck her to get the fight to the ground. Once it went, went to the ground, it was over. Uh, Valerie Martin, like you said, the fight with Jandarova, she did get submitted, but looking at Vernon's last fight against Felice Herrig, that's an incredible win. First time anyone's ever finished Felice Herrig, and Jandarova did by submission. So, to me, that's not a bad loss on paper. Before that, had won five straight fights in, uh, in, in Invicta and Contender Series. I think she's quite a good prospect. That was a tough debut, I think, against a really good fighter in Jandarova. So, I, I do think Martin could be effective with her grappling in this fight, just because Cyphers, I don't really think, is... Um, really quite capable of fighting these kind of uh, caliber opponents. I also feel like Hannah Cyphers could fight down division two. She's fighting a, a, a straw weight now, but I mean, I think she could be an atom weight to be honest. She's very small. Overall, I just feel like Martin's going to be a little bit bigger. I think that's going to help her a lot in this fight. Yeah. And I, I feel like if two weeks ago we were talking about a, a Maria Agapova loss or a Virna Jandaroba loss, which yep. one would look better. It's crazy. We definitely would have said Agapova. And then two weeks later, our perception of those fights has completely changed, or at least it has for me. So, yeah, I'm feeling the same exact way. I think Mallory Martin here gets enough takedowns and has enough success when she gets her down to, to win this fight. So I'm going to take her here by decision, who you got and how you got him. Yeah, it, it's, again, it's a question of does she finish the fight or win the decision. I'm pretty sure she's going to win this fight. Right now, the betting odds have her as a 3-1 to one favorite, so most people feel like she's going to win. 
I'm kind of leaning towards a decision, though. I mean, I know Cypher's got submitted a couple times now in a row, but overall, I think she might be able to hang here for the full three rounds, but it's tough, man. It could definitely be a submission, but maybe a decision like you were feeling. All right, and that's going to do it for end of round one. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, this is just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. That link is in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that he sends you not just his picks every week, you get those, but also he sends you his pros and cons for each matchup along with his thoughts on some of the DraftKings matchups. And, and those thoughts are something that are really, really important if you're trying to win one of those big money games because he helps you realize who's going to be owned a lot and who might not be owned so much. And, and that's really where you can separate yourself from the pack and make some big bucks. So he's given you the different modes, whether you're gambling, you're playing daily fantasy sports, he's giving you all the tools to make sure that you're as profitable as possible and you keep coming back because you're going to want to come back to AJ's actionpacksportsbets.com. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Alessio DeCirico versus Zach Cummins. DeCirico, meanwhile, is on a two-fight losing streak. He lost a decision to Kevin Holland and a decision to Mahmoud Muradov. Cummins, meanwhile, had won two straight, but he recently lost a decision to Omari Akhmedov in a very tough fight up in middleweight. So these two guys are kind of unheralded middleweights. Both of them recently had some some good moments and some some parts where we thought they were going to be top 15. We got one guy here who's a grinder with submission skills and one guy who works a little bit better from distance. Do you think that the small cage here could be a factor for Cummins? And if so, just how much? That's another good question, man. Like a lot of these fights we, you know, like during the pandemic have been in the small cage in Vegas. And a lot of them were fights like DC and, and Stipe. I thought with the small cage and these guys throwing bombs with four ounce gloves, someone's getting KO'd. That fight went the full 25 minutes. So a lot of the times, like we might feel like, hey, the small cage is going to affect this fight to more uh, to make it more likely there's a finish or not. But sometimes it hasn't worked out like that. So honestly, I, I think it's it's a little difficult to call. Overall, I do feel like the small cage probably plays into Cummings' favor because I think he'll be able to close the distance a little bit easier. But, you know, overall, I think the Chirico, he's been improving. I know he has lost two straight fights, but Kevin Holland and Macklin Murdoff are really good fighters, man. Up-and-coming fighters. Now, to be fair, Cummings, he lost to Akhmedov. That, that's guy, that guy's pretty solid, too. So, not a bad loss. But to me, you know, you look at the one thing, the one key thing I, I see in this fight is the age difference. Cummings is a veteran of the sport. He's 36 now. Like, is he slowing down at this point? Whereas uh, Jerko, he's only 30 years old. So to me, like I always look at age when I'm looking at a fight, and I think that's a, a big thing here. So to me, that is more of a factor than the small cage. Having said that, we'll see how it plays out on Saturday. Absolutely, and I think you're right too. Like I, I don't think necessarily the small cage is a factor in whether or not Cummins is going to get a uh, finish here, but I definitely do think you're right. His his ability to close the distance and get it up against the cage, which is where he likes it. He likes it to be a messy fight up against the cage. I think that's probably a little bit more highly, but but again, it, it sort of depends on how much of that he can do. You know, it, it, is something going to present itself based on that? I don't know so much, but. We are just about to the end of talking about this fight, so I got to get your prediction who you got and how you got him. Yeah, like the betting odds. We're looking at the right now, man. It's a pure pick em. So uh, both guys are basically even money right now, and people are having a hard time differentiating them. I'm going to go to Chirico. I'll take Chirico. I think he'll win the decision here. That's my pick. 
All right, and I'm going to differ with you on this one. I'm actually going to go with Zach Cummins. I I like his wrestling here enough just to get enough on the judges' scorecards, too, because I I do think this one's going to decision. And that's going to bring us to our next fight, which is a fun striking matchup between Alex Caceres and Giga Chikadze. Caceres is on a two-fight winning streak. He beat Steven Ocho-Peterson and Chase Hooper, both by decision. Chikadze, meanwhile, is 3-0 in the UFC with wins over Brandon Davis, Jamal Emers, and Erwin Rivera. All of those are decisions, and the first two of them were split decisions. So here's my question. I I said it's a fun striking matchup. Chikadze says that everybody who fights him turns into a grappler at some point in time. Do you feel like Caceres winds up trying to go that route at any point? Maybe, but I don't think he's going to be too successful with it. Overall in his career, I mean, he does have a few submissions under his belt. But in general, he doesn't really have great wrestling. Um, he kind of wins his fights by staying on the dis- uh, a distance and kind of outpointing his guys. That's how he, he won the last two fights. He looked pretty good, though. I mean, against Chase Uber, that was a nice performance, man. I got to give it up to Caceres. He kind of came in there um, being unheralded, and some people were saying he might not be in the UFC much longer. He goes out there and beats a top prospect. But Chikatsi, the guy's a really high-level striker. He's like a technician on the three. Like you said, 3-0. He hasn't got a finish yet, but I think he's looked really sharp with his striking. Overall, I think his takedown defense is good enough probably to stop any sort of takedown from Caceres and keep the fight standing. And on the feet, I think it's a bad matchup for Caceres, man. Yeah, and I think you're 100% right on this. When you started by saying he's a, you know, Caceres is a guy who makes his bread by working from distance, this is the last guy in the division you want to work from distance on, right? Like, this is a guy you need to get inside on. You need to force the grapple. You need to put up against the cage. And that's just not Caceres. This is a beautiful piece of matchmaking on the UFC's part for Chikadze, who, who's been in some, like, grinding fights lately. So, you know, it, it's good for him to, to get something that's a little bit more stylistically you know, nice for him. So uh, I guess we, we're right about to the end of this round. So I got to ask you, you're leaning Chikadze? How you got him winning this one? Yeah, I am leaning Chikadze. Caceres is tough to finish, man. I mean, he can be submitted, but stopping him by strikes is actually quite difficult. I'm kind of leaning towards Chikadze winning another decision here. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to go Chikadze by decision too. And, and you know, I, I don't like predicting split decisions, but his striking style and how he takes breaks sometimes in the middle of fights almost seems to lend itself to that, right? It lends itself to a lot of subjectivity in the, the judge's eyes. It wouldn't surprise me to see a judge here think that this fight belonged to Caceres in like a way that it was like 30-27 on two cards and 27-30 on the last one. So like I totally expect this to be another one of those fights that's razor close for Chikadze, even though he looks much better. Um, And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our last two fights. All right, guys, you've been hearing me for weeks talk about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. It's because I'm a firm believer in them, but I'm not just the only person who's a firm believer in AJ and what he does. Look at his testimonials on AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. We've got people saying it's not just his winning selections and his return on investment that are the main reasons I subscribe. His breakdowns and understanding of matchups is what impressed me most. That, that's a glowing recommendation, right? That, that's what you want from somebody who's giving you gambling advice. And plus, listen to this too. They say he objectively breaks down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and doesn't let emotions get in the way. Sometimes we're all guilty of that, of letting emotions get in the way. You can hear me break down fights on, on this very show. I'm emotionally attached to some of these fighters. You can't separate that. AJ does, and that's why you should check him out at AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. 
And we're going to start this round by talking about Pollyanna Viana versus Emily Whitmire. Viana has lost three fights in a row to J.J. Aldritz, Hannah Cyphers, and Veronica Macedo. She last won in February of 2018. Whitmire, meanwhile, had a two-fight win streak, but most recently lost by rear naked choke to Amanda Rebus. This also is a fight that's being rescheduled from earlier on in the year, way back in March, because Emily Whitmire had some trouble making weight. She had to be hospitalized the day of the fight. Does that give you any concerns here that, that she's coming back from, you know, what seemed to be a bad weight cut and is, is fighting, you know, the same exact fighter? Yeah, I definitely think that's a good point you brought up, man. Um, you know, in general, I think a lot of these fighters, it's not, not necessarily Whitmire because this didn't happen to her, but I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the fighters that tested positive for COVID-19 have lost their fights, like Pedro Munoz and Lyman Good and these guys, like they've all been losing. So definitely illnesses and, and things like this definitely play a factor. I think in this case, you know, it says she fell ill at Tapology, but it, it was a bad wake, I think. It makes me wonder if she should be fighting at 115 or if she should be moving up to 125. Like, she's only 29 years old, but once you hit 30, it's very hard to cut that weight, I think. Um, overall, though, you know, Vienna, disappointing in the UFC, man. One in three, uh, three straight losses. It gets tapped out by Veronica Macedo, who's not really a UFC caliber fighter either. So that's definitely concerning to me. And, and like you mentioned, hasn't won a fight in, like, over two years. So that's also concerning. Uh, Whitmire... She's been kind of up and down the UFC. At times, she looks great. She had that win over Albu. I think it was the fastest submission in strawweight history, if I'm not mistaken. But then she comes back and loses to Amanda Rivas, who, by the way, Amanda Rivas actually was knocked out by Paulie Vianna in 2015, which is crazy. I have seen that fight. She got leveled pretty good there. But, you know, if they, if they rematch now, wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be much of a fight. Anyways, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say how that weight cut's going to play out for her, but it can't be a good thing, man. So I definitely think it's worth uh, while I'm bringing up. Yeah, I think it's worthwhile bringing up too. And, and also, you know, just from the stance of what kind of fight she would like here, it's worth bringing up too, because she's a fighter who is probably going to want to turn this into more of a grinding match against Viana, right? Like she's not going to want to strike from range against Viana. She's probably going to want to push her against the cage and beat her up a little bit there. You know, so if, if that's the type of fight she wants, you know, in, in the weight cuts tough, is, is that going to play a factor here? I don't really know if it will or not. So, uh, unfortunately, though, we're at the end of the time to talk about this fight. So, you got to let me know who you got and how you got him. Yeah, tough one to call, but I'm going to take Whitmire probably by submission. I think she'll get the fight to the ground finisher. Yeah, I'm going to go same thing. I'm going to go Whitmire by submission here just because I think, you know, Pauli Anaviana getting tapped by Veronica Macedo is a very bad sign. And and I really do like that Whitmire win against uh, Alexander Albu. So, I'd like her to do something similar here. And that brings us to our last fight, which is a very exciting fight between Sean Brady and Christian Aguilera. Brady 2-0 in the UFC with wins over Court McGee and Ishmael Nardiev. Aguilera made his debut in June. He knocked out Anthony Ivey in under a minute. So we haven't seen much of him in the UFC, although we have seen plenty of them in, in some top regional circuits. Now, my question, though, is going to be about Brady. Brady has not looked particularly flashy in the UFC, but he's taken out some much tougher competition than we've seen Aguilera fight. How do you weigh that when, when you're breaking down this one? Great question. Great question. Brady's fought better competition for sure. And Cormac McGee, yeah, he's not the same guy that won tough 10 years ago, but he's still a decent grinder. And Israel Nardiev was like a, a top prospect. I know he's kind of had some struggles lately and he's not in the UFC now, but to me that was a really nice win. And he actually has a couple other nice wins on his resume, like Colton Smith, a former tough winner too. So overall, I think, you know, even though he hasn't finished his fights, he's shown in the 15 minutes of these fights that – He's a well-rounded fighter, good striking, good grappling. Whereas Aguilera, you only saw him fight the one time against Ivy. He, the fight lasted less than a minute, knocked him out. Great knockout, but 
how is this cardio going to hold up? The fight goes the whole distance, right? So it's a good question to ask, man, for sure. But uh, we won't know until the fight plays out. I mean, definitely Aguilera could knock out. Brady's got that power. But Brady overall, I think, has shown he's just a little bit more well-rounded. Yeah, and I'm so glad you, you mentioned the cardio, too, because Brady is an exhausting person to fight. Like, you look at what Court McGee, who's typically not been a guy who's run out of gas, did against Sean Brady, and Brady just seemed to take him to the brink of his will. And, and he did similar to Nardiev, who, like you said, he, not with the UFC anymore, but he's a guy who had really good wrestling and really good cardio. He beat Michelle Prezerich on short notice. Like, you know, Nardiev was a tough guy, too, and, and it seemed like Brady just, like, outwilled both of them. So... Yeah, for, for Christian Aguilera, for all of us to have really seen of him recently was a big flashy KO. I don't see that necessarily happening here, and I'm real interested to see what happens if this takes a, a while longer. Um, and that brings us to the end of our five minutes here, so i got to get your prediction on the last one here. Who you got and how you got him? Yeah, the betting odds have Brady as a big favorite here. I, I do think he wins, probably another decision, but you know Aguilera is a big underdog here, and we've seen a lot of upsets lately, man, so I wouldn't count him out completely. I think he could get the knockout, but overall i got to lean towards Brady by decision. Yeah, I definitely think this fight is a lot closer than the line is here uh, because he's a newcomer who we've only seen 59 seconds of. But, yeah, I, I'm still leaning Brady. If I'm looking for somebody to pick straight up here, I, I think, you know, Brady's got all of the tools to, to be a real threat in this division, to be honest with you, and he, he's looked real good as of late. So I'm going to take Brady as well. And that does it for all six of our fights. We gave you six fights in just over 15 minutes. So we hope you guys learned a little something. We hope this helps you with this weekend's picks, whether you're playing DraftKings, you know, or some other daily fantasy, or if you're gambling, or maybe you just want to enjoy the fights. I got to thank my co-host here, Adam Martin from MMA Oddsbreaker and BJPen.com. Make sure to follow him at MMAdamMartin on Twitter. Adam, thanks so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. You got it, man. No problem. <laughs> 